You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Hunting, shooting and fishing radio with just a little bit of politics. Listen along as we interview some of the most experienced outdoorsmen in the industry today where you'll learn valuable tips and tricks to make you a more successful hunter, shooter and fisherman. Here's your host of the Australian Hunting Podcast, Jason Selms. It's a pleasure to have you listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast, Hunting, Shooting and Fishing Radio. I'm your host Jason Selms and this is episode 31, Hunting Dogs with the Game Council's Ned Makem. Pleasure to have everyone back for 2013, a brand and fresh new year at the Australian Hunting Podcast. And on today's show, I've got the Game Council of New South Wales, Ned Makem, one of their Northern Division Game Managers. And for quite some time, I've actually wanted somebody on the show to come on and tell me about hunting with dogs and what it's like to hunt with dogs, and also to tell me about how it works and and what it means to be a hunter that hunts with dogs. We know our old mate Shoebridge, about three or four months ago, had a little do-on in the city at Parliament House to bring as many people as he could in to tell you how bad hunting with dogs is and how brutal it is. So really what I wanted to do was get someone experienced on the show that could definitely shed a lot of light, especially me too. I don't really know much about hunting with dogs. And and I'm not saying a little bit sceptical, but I wanted to find out and set my mind at ease as well about what it's like to hunt with dogs. And the funny thing is I sat there for probably about three hours, I reckon, after the show, just uh, you know, having dinner after I spoke to Ned. And it's probably honestly the first time in my show in 31 episodes that I could just, I could just feel the passion that not only you know, uh, people that hunt with dogs have for the sport, but especially the way Ned spoke, just even himself, like the passion they have for hunting with dogs, the love they have for the dogs, the love for the sport, the love that they have watching the dogs work. I just sat there. I was actually sort of very, very humbling experience, I might say, for for a few hours after the show. And I've never actually had that before on the show. I could just feel it in Ned's voice about how much he loved doing it. And at the end of the, sh- I must admit, at the end of the show, I really felt like you know my mind. Not that it ever needed changing, but. I'm definitely on board with the hunting with dogs and there is definitely a very, very viable place for that sport in Australia because often if you go out with firearms and you don't see those pigs, you may never ever get to be able to hunt them. But obviously when you're hunting with dogs, you've got the nose of the dog which can locate them even if you can't see them. So it's definitely a viable option in New South Wales to you know use and remove feral animals from public land and uh, Ned certainly got his point across and certainly made me, I'm not saying change my mind or anything, but certainly got me to a point where you know I feel the passion I really do I felt I feel the passion and and the information that he actually gives on the show I think you'll really really enjoy so I really do hope you enjoy it Ned's a really top guy and honestly I think if they ever let Ned go from the game council of New South Wales it'd be a, it'd be a bad day for hunters and shooters because the knowledge that he brings to the table not only for the organization but for other hunters because he's very active on the uh, game council Facebook page as well he's always there to answer questions and help hunters so a really really nice guy uh, it is also fishing time, people. It's summer. It's hot as hell outside. 
Uh, it's beach time, it's fishing time, and I hope you, everyone's out having, you know, getting their lines wet, throwing their lines into the water. I'm off for a trip uh, in about uh, early February, late January, early February, for a trip down to Malakuda. Now it's about an hour south on the coast of uh, south of Eden, uh, just on the Victorian border there. One of the best places, in my opinion, you can catch fish in those estuaries. We went there two years ago in my mate's holiday house, and we caught a bunch of fish. So I'm really looking forward to another good year, catching some big brimming flathead on those potty mullets. So if you've got any photos, please post them up on the Facebook page. I'd love to see your fishing trips or any videos. You know I love that, so please post them up. Uh, but if you want to check out the Australian Hunting Podcast, the australianhuntingpodcast.com.au website is where you go for all information regarding the podcast, where you can listen to our most recent episodes and get all the information. Uh, also to the Facebook page, please jump on there. We've got, I think, over 1,200 likes now on the Facebook page, people contributing. I've got all the mods, Brad, Chloe, Ben and Alice doing a fantastic job. So please jump on there and share. We love hearing from you. If uh, we haven't seen anything we don't know, like in the media, please grab a link and post it up onto the page because you know a lot of us can't be around to see every single news link that becomes available so i'd appreciate it twitter ah podcast if you want to follow our twitter feed and if you want to email us for any reason you know you got some positive comments some uh, critical comments or how we can improve or if you've got any ideas about who you want to come on the show please email me at australian hunting podcast at gmail.com you can download iTunes and rate five stars, and also it'd be great if you could jump on there and actually leave a comment on the iTunes page there for our podcast and leave a good comment. That'd be greatly appreciated. We're also on Stitcher.com, so if you're a Stitcher listener to radio shows and podcasts, you can certainly listen to us on Stitcher. Uh, my Aussie Feral Control contract shooting business at AussieFeralControl.com.au. You can jump on there if you need any services. Uh, and also Aussie Feral Control of the same name for my YouTube videos. I like posting up my hunts, some of my hunts. Uh, you, you guys know I'm a bit political and I like doing that sort of thing. So you can check out some of my videos on my Aussie Feral Control YouTube page. But share the Australian Hunting Podcast with your friends and family. I'd always appreciate it. And also to our sponsor, Australian Hunters International. You can check them out at ausahunthersinternational.org.au. If you want to join a club of like-minded hunters, please jump on there. They can help you from getting your license to helping you out with information and getting you into the sport. So Australian Hunters International, jump on there. And also too, it's been a fantastic job that the Shooters and Fishers Party have been doing in New South Wales uh, with National Park Hunting and now Ducks, as I said in a previous podcast. So jump on their page, shootersandfishers.org.au. You can see at the top there, there is the donations link. Uh, all the donations help to your political party. And we've probably only got, a, what, about less than a year up until the next election. So remember, vote for the Shooters and Fishers Party if you're in New South Wales. You're a hunter and shooter. They've done a fantastic job for all the legislation they've been able to put forward in the last couple of years. They've been working hard for for probably the last 10 years to get some of this stuff through. So please vote for the Shooters and Fishers Party at the next election and donate. But do donations also help me at the Australian Hunting Podcast as well. We've got a number of uh, donators donating to the Australian Hunting Podcast. You can jump on our website, australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. On the right-hand side widget bar, you will see the donations link so please you know any, anything helps you can set up automatic deductions you can just do a one-off it all helps and as always appreciate and i appreciate all my listeners that have downloaded the show that subscribe that help me out that email me that give me all the positive feedback i really appreciate it in 2013 we're also going to see some changes up to the australian hunting podcast on how we interview people 
and also how we are going to present new episodes, so stay tuned for that. So I guess this podcast, I'm going to dedicate it to the Game Council of New South Wales uh, for the hard work they do in managing public land hunting in New South Wales. So let's rock this show. Without further ado, let's get into my interview, Hunting with Dogs with the Game Council's Ned Makem. G'day, this is Ned Makem from Game Council New South Wales. We're going to be talking hunting with dogs and you're listening to Australian Hunting Podcast. Ned Megan, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for coming on the show to talk to us about hunting with dogs today. Thank you. Thanks, mate. No, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. So I guess, you know, for people that don't know who you are, can you give us, you know, a bit of info, I guess, how you got into hunting and shooting, and I guess also, too, how you started working uh, for the Game Council of New South Wales? Sure. Well, uh, I came from a, a bush family, so hunting was just a normal thing that we did um, and it was partly about you know getting tucker and it was uh, partly about you know cleaning up pest animals and uh, also just about being out in the bush and, and enjoying all the experiences that hunting uh, you know hunting in, uh, involves I've, um, I've shot various things um, but my main thing is I, I love hunting uh, pigs with dogs and I love training dogs to hunt not just pigs but you know any sort of hunting at all I, um, that's actually what brought me to the Game Council. I've been with them for two years now and I'd been asked to go down to their uh, inaugural uh, pig dog training weekend to uh, talk about dog psychology. Um, and we had a bit of success with that and then uh, we got talking uh, about uh, opportunities that might be coming up in the Game Council. So I, I threw my hat into the ring and luckily for me I got the gig. Exactly. So I guess you, that was my next question. You've been working there for two years. What's it been like in the two years that you've been there? Oh, look, it, it, it's fantastic. That's the short answer. Um, it's uh, it, it's a constantly evolving job, and it's constantly improving. We, um, we've got a really good team of people, are really focused on hunting and serving hunters. And uh, as as... We, we learn as we go. We've got good systems, but we're always updating and always taking feedback. And if we can improve, we, um, you know, we do. So, um, you know, like we really welcome, you know, the input from hunters and their feedback and their uh, emails and phone calls and all this sort of stuff because everything they tell us teaches us a little bit more about uh, how to do our job better. So I, I love a job like that. I love to be, do, you know, dealing with hunting all day, every day. Yeah. Um, but I like a job that's uh, that's constantly improving, and that's how I feel about the Game Council. Um, it's it's an organisation, from my perspective, that's uh, undergoing constant improvement and constant reassessing of what we're doing. We we monitor all sorts of things, and um, you know we're, we're looking to do a better and better job. So uh, my job's changed since I've started, uh, and I think I've got I've become more useful to the organisation and to the hunters generally, as I've learnt a little bit more about how uh, Game Council New South Wales operates. But also, as I said, the, the organisation itself just keeps refining and refining, and I find that um, that really satisfying, you know. I, I haven't always been in, uh, you know, hunting administration. I've had a lot of jobs doing different things, and I like to be... Uh, I like to be mentally stimulated, and you certainly get that with this job. Absolutely. So do you look after a certain area or a certain type of hunting, or what's what's the go there? Well, I'm, I'm what's called uh, a game manager, 
Um, so we're essentially the field staff, and I'm game manager Northern Zone. So I've got, well, effectively everything north of Newcastle to the Queensland border and um, out to the South Australian border. So I've got heaps of country to look after and uh, heaps of hunting opportunities in my area. Yes. Do you base yourself out of the office, or you just field-based, or...? Well, we've got an office in Camworth. I, um, I'm, I'm there uh, every Wednesday. I'm in the office to do all my admin and also to just deal with, uh, you know, with people wanting to do their license tests and things like that. And the rest of the time, uh, I'm either in the bush um, uh, doing what we call audits of forests, you know, checking for, uh, you know, the state of tracks and things like that, game numbers and so on, or visiting retailers or talking to hunting clubs. So uh, whatever it is, it's all about hunting. But I um, I get to spend you know four days out of uh, out of five outdoors. Mate, you can't go wrong with that, can you? Mate, suits me down to the ground. Absolutely. So I guess you know what what you you said before about that you like you know uh, you know hunting pigs with dogs. But I guess you know tell us about the game. You know what do you like to hunt? I said you obviously like pigs with dogs. What else do you like to hunt? Uh, Next on my list would be scrub bulls. Not a lot of that uh, in in my area, although there's odd pockets of them here and there. But um, you know, every year we like to go up to the Gulf and um, hunt bulls up there. Uh, you know, we, we shoot them, of course, and that gives us an added bonus. Uh, bonus then we can, um, after about five days or so, uh, they ripen to a point um, where a big boar will come in and claim them. The dominant boar for that area. We set up game cameras on them and whatnot, so. It, you can see when a pig's come in and worked the carcass, but the game camera gives you the um, the specifics of what time they're coming in and which particular pig it is, and then uh, you know that then we'll walk in then and uh, and catch him usually at night. So you know, it's, I like that sort of um, double whammy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I like to be efficient, mate. You know, exactly. but uh, I, I like all sorts of all sorts of hunting. You know, I'm, I like fishing too. You know, yep. so. Um, I get to see a lot of deer, and of course, there's all the, the, the millions of rabbits and foxes and things that are around. I like whistling foxes; I find that very satisfying. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. And I quite like trapping dogs, so mm. um, I do a bit of that on private property as as well. Um, that just fits in with my my interest generally in dog psychology. You know, trying to work out what wild dogs are doing and why they're doing it. Yeah, good stuff. Seems like you you picked up a good job, and they can use your knowledge at the game council for, for sure. Oh yeah, well they've been very, um, very generous in uh, in the way they've they've set things up too. Like they do recognise that different staff have different specific interests and skills. So um, you know I'm encouraged to explore that as much as possible for the benefit of the uh, of our licensed hunters. Yeah, exactly. So I guess another question I have for you too: Do you you said you like the forms of hunting? I mean, do you shoot targets? Are you a pistol guy? Shotguns? Do you use bows as well? Are you into any I, of that sort of thing? Well, I uh, I bow hunted when I was younger, then uh, the dog bug bit me, so that sort of took me away. But I, if I shoot, um, I've got a a nice little seventeen I use on the uh, on foxes and things, and uh, then predominantly it's thirty uh, thirties and a three oh eight. After that, so I, I, I don't do a lot of target shooting. Um, the only target shooting I do is uh, is the sight in a rifle, um, and uh, pistols. I've, I've, of course, I've dabbled in them at clubs and things like that. But no, I, I'm, I'm predominantly about uh, about game, mate. About uh, you know pursuing the animals. Absolutely. So I guess tell us about hunting with dogs and the yeah you know, the passion people for have. 
you know, hunting with dogs. They seem to be a, a passionate bunch, but what actually is it about hunting, you know, with dogs? Well, f- for me and for a lot of blokes, it's a combination of things. Like a, a big bull pig is a challenging animal under any circumstances, but particularly if you're putting your hands on him while he's, while he's still alive, you know, that's a that's a, a particular sort of feeling. But mostly it's about the relationship with the dogs, you know, breeding dogs, training dogs, um, seeing them improve, seeing the work that they'll do for you. They're, um, you, you get very, very close to your dogs, you know. You get very, um, very proud of, of what they're prepared to do and how they'll find pigs. Um, and you get to, to read them, um, you know, like they'll, they'll indicate certain things for like if it's a big boar they react differently if they can smell one or they uh certainly they see one um you know so you do there's an endless amount of um of learning to do uh with the dogs like you teach the dogs certain things but they teach you just as much and the longer you're in it uh, the more you realize there is to learn so i like to be able to um um, you know, scout out properties really well. I always take the dogs with me if I'm uh, if I'm off duty, and just uh, you know, I let them hunt. I hunt as well. I try and put them in the best position to 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 give me some indication of what's about. But it, you know, in some of the country I hunt, it's it's not you know prime sort of cultivation sort of country and things where the pigs are standing out in the open. It's a lot of my country's rocky, hilly, you know, steep gullies, dry sort of places and. Uh, and you have to work for your pigs. You have to um, you have to plan your hunts. You have to gather as much information as you can. You have to read sign, uh, and you have to read your dog. So uh, all of that makes it a fairly deep experience. So I think a lot of people underestimate um, the the depth of the experience. When you're younger, it tends to be more about activity, um, you know, because you're just more energetic and you want to go, go, go. Uh, I'm 52 now, so I don't have quite as much go in me as I did, but I've, I've still, still got the enthusiasm, but I try to uh, hunt a lot smarter now. Um, but I, 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 nev- I never have a bad hunt. In, in my mind, any, any hunt I'm on is a good hunt because I'm out hunting, um, and every hunt, whether I get anything or not, teaches me something. It'll teach me something about um, where the pigs aren't uh, as well as where they are, um, and I try and... Uh, make mental notes and sometimes I make uh, written notes, you know, uh, about when and where I strike things and why and then uh, then you can start to predict, you know, what's going to happen in your country when you're, you're likely to, um, you know, come across decent pigs. Uh, for instance, I, I do a lot on one particular property um, where the pigs appear uh, when the prickly pear comes in fruit and they there's just hardly any pigs there the rest of the time and then suddenly about uh, April... Uh, they just start appearing, and then you get a run of really good boars that'll move into the area and claim a space. Um, and of course, they're uh, they're breeding at that time too. And uh, so they come in to claim a space. You've got to sort of work out their movements, and um, with that landholder, uh, now he, he's uh, like a lot of landholders. He's very happy to have someone there that's working the pigs and keeping them under control because he's he's a, a lamb producer among other things, and um, the pigs on this particular place are known lamb and sheep eaters, so uh, he he gives me a lot of feedback. There's a uh, you know quite a close relationship there. You know, like he's ringing up saying I've seen this sign or I've seen this bit of digging or 
I've seen tusk marks on a tree or there's a new wallow and, um, you know, I'll go out. It's it's not far from home. You know, it's about 40 minutes from my home. I go out and check everything out uh, and start to build a bit of a picture of what's going on. So in the country I'm hunting, it is about... Um, gaining as much knowledge as you can. You don't just sort of go out and bump into a pig. Um, and it means that you've got to... Your dogs have got to be pretty sharp. They've got to be able to find them and they've got to be able to stop them when they do because uh, you don't usually get, you know, too many bites of the cherry with these pigs. And, and the country's hard. It's steep and rocky and it uh, it certainly tests you out. But it's a... Um, uh, as I said, it's a deep experience. You know, you, you're out there... Um, you know, seeing a lot of other wildlife and uh, and uh, I love looking at wild birds and stuff as well while I'm hunting and um, then if you can do it, you know, with, with dogs that become really close hunting companions, you know, um, mm. they, they just live for the hunt, you know, they, uh, they're beside themselves as soon as they see the, um, you know, all the, all the hunting gear come out, they're just vibrating with excitement, you know, yeah. so... Uh, those are the sort of things that, that keep me getting up early in the morning or staying out late at night. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, a, a bad day's hunting is uh, better than a good day's at work, but I guess you get to do both. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I, I, I couldn't have a better job. You yeah. know, I'm uh, I'm that happy with how things are going. And like I said, the, um, you know, there is this sense of constant improvement and the, there's a really strong customer focus and it means that it's a pleasure to go to work. When you're talking to people, you're able to help them. You know, you've, you've got the time, you've got the resources to uh, to put into trying to steer them on the right path. Yeah, exactly. So I guess what, what let's talk about breeds. What breeds of dogs, I guess, make good hunting dogs? Oh, look, nearly any breed of dog, um, especially if it's, if it's, you know, if it's got some hunting ancestry, will will make a good dog. Uh, it's an endless debate among hunters. It's a bit like Holdens and Fords, you know, they'll all get you somewhere you know you just have your personal preferences um, you know personally i like the hairy dogs i like you know dogs that have got wolfhound or a bit of deerhound and uh, or something in them i find them easy to work with but there's as i've often said um to other people there'll be a thousand dogs as good or better than the ones i've got um probably a thousand hunters as as good or better than me it's 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 about how the people work them it's about how they um uh, you know how fit you keep them, uh, how you look after the dog, how you how you manage it. Because you know, there's a strong a strong drive in a lot of dogs to hunt and to chase things or point things or find things. And what you're trying to do is um, is just trying to to manage that uh, that compulsion in the dog to work, so that it's uh, um, you know it becomes a precision thing rather than um, you know the dog just charging about doing what it wants. Yeah. Yeah. So what what age I guess can can dogs start hunting at when they obviously if you rear them up from a pup what what's the age they normally can start at when you yeah oh uh, well look we might put them on the truck you know like from three months just to to get used to the sights and sounds of the bush we might walk them around in the bush at, at you know three and four or five months we don't expect them to be um, you know working until you know about twelve months. Uh, although a lot of them start earlier than that, some of them start later. But um, uh, you know, a 12-month-old dog uh, is still fairly mentally young uh, and will still make mistakes. So when when we're you know uh, working a, a younger dog, we, we don't think we're hunting. Um, 
you know, we, we think in terms of, of we're exposing the dog to hunting. So that way you're focused on what the dog is doing rather than whether you're getting pigs or not or, you know, whether it's pointing at a deer or, you know, or whatever it's doing. So, you know, the whole the whole process, ideally you have a few experienced dogs um, and it's a bit like a like a sporting team. You've got to have young, um, you know, young competitors coming along. Otherwise, uh, it comes the day when all the dogs are too old and you've got to start again from scratch. So if you've got an older dog that's, uh, that's already doing the job, that's the easiest way to get a younger, younger dog working. Mm. You've just got to be a bit careful of putting too much pressure on them too early. Um, you know, catching pigs with dogs isn't a game of tennis, so uh, you've got to um, protect the dog as much as possible, uh, you know, and not let him um, overextend himself. Uh, so, you know, we get them into the bush as early as possible so that they learn what a fence is, they can climb over a log and they can follow you around and they get used to um, uh, to being managed. Uh, but then, you know, from 12 months on, we're expecting them to um, to start pulling their weight properly. Yeah. And, of course, they can keep going, uh, you know, as long as they're fit and healthy, really. Yeah. Um, but, again, you know, a, a dog of of seven or eight is, is is fairly tired by then usually. Some dogs will go a lot longer than that and work, but their prime age is, you know, probably between about 18 months and about five or six years, I'd say. Yeah, that was good. I was getting to my next question too. So you think, what what is that age? You know, they can hunt up until it just depends, or so you reckon seven or eight is about the limit depending on... Oh, look, there, there isn't really a limit, but you do have to be conscious of the dog's welfare. You know, they'll want to hunt un- until the last day. But just because they want to doesn't mean that it's the best thing for the dog. So you um, you just have to you know you know keep in touch with your vet and and all that sort of thing. And they, you know the the dogs have um, you know regular checks and things like that. And um, you know if if the if the professionals say the dog's still sound, well then uh, you use that plus your own judgment of how the dog's going. But you can see if a um, you know if a dog's uh, you know, slowing down or um, inclined to be looking for shortcuts, and so you're trying not to get them in a position where um, they'll get themselves hurt. And he, you know, there's there's a certain amount of um, you know danger with being in the bush. There's snakes, there's rocks, there's all sorts of things that can cause injuries to you and the dog. So. There'll be a time when I'll have to get be retired, I suppose, but I'm, hopefully <laughs> someone will drive me around and uh, just let me go on a few easy pigs or something. That's right. Just put you in a tree stand, you'll be you'll be fine. That's right. I'll probably just fall asleep. I think <laughs> by the time I'm in that. Yeah. So I guess tell us about you know. There's been a few issues in the media lately, but what's the ethics? Would you say required, and how should you know doggers? I guess conduct themselves when they when they're hunting with dogs. Well, the, as I said, the most important thing is uh, is to look after your dogs in the first place, and um, and uh, you know the pig deserves a certain amount of respect as well. You know, like you, they're a, you know a living animal, so you're certainly out there to catch them and uh, uh, you know and put them on the ground. But um, like the the object is to do it with the minimum amount of um, effort and uh, stress for everybody, everyone involved, including the pig. So um, it's about having the minimal number of dogs on a pig that can uh, that can control it, um, so that you can safely 
dispatch it. Uh, it's it's definitely not about dogs fighting pigs or anything like that. You know, there's um, the like serious pig hunters are just, are just infuriated by some of the things that um, that uh, you know people outside um, you know the real game. Uh, you know, can get up to, and 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 they will just they'll put them into the authorities. You know, they they serious hunters hate that sort of thing. There's aspects of animal cruelty and things like that that pop up on, um, you know, popped up recently in the media. Um, that that's just so far from what uh, from what a serious hunter is is all about. You know, there's it, it, it's just it's as I said, it's infuriating to people because it's uh, and I get I get a lot of calls from guys you know who are upset with things that they've you know that have been on tv and they get frustrated because the the serious hunters are just uh all about the uh, efficiency and effectiveness you know the the dogs are in good shape um you're quick to get to the pigs uh, you haven't got you know dogs that are trying to maul a pig you know but of course you only need you know one bad apple in the bunch and it spoils the whole lot so that's right um the in in terms of um, you know of, of the bigger picture, the you know dogs using dogs is a very effective way of managing pig populations on private land and public land. Um, it's not the only way. Uh, there's all sorts of ways to manage pigs, but it's certainly effective. And there's some pigs that that's the only way you're going to get them, and that can be a function of what the pigs learnt and how evasive they can be, uh, and also sometimes the country they're in. Uh, you know, some country doesn't lend itself to other control methods. So, uh, you know, where where I come from in northern New South Wales, landholders are very welcoming to um, guys who adopt a bit of a professional attitude, um, handle their dogs well. Dogs have to be stock-proof. You know, you have to be able to uh, move through a mob of sheep or black calves or camels or, you know, alpacas or whatever pops up that isn't a pig, they just have to ignore. And, of course, th- that's the standard. You know, that's mm. what 99% of people have got. And it's a, the people who are um, who are not serious about hunting who then portray themselves as hunters. And they're just mm. mugs, you know, mm. um, that really, uh, <laughs> really anger the, um, the, the serious hunters who are trying to do the right thing, uh, who, who are thinking about animal welfare, who are... Working closely with uh, with landholders, um, you know, there's a whole raft of things to consider. It's not just a matter of getting a dog and going out into the bush and having a look for a pig. You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of things to bear in mind. You know, when people get into dogging, but you know, that's part of my gig too, is to help people understand that, to um, uh, you know, to uh, show them how to achieve what they're after uh, the right way, how to become um, you know, a legitimate part of of the the broader hunting community, and as I said, on private land, it can often be, um, you know, a, become part of the of a whole pest management strategy. That's right. So, what, I guess, what type of feral animals can uh, hunters hunt with dogs? Well, you can hunt all sorts of animals uh, with dogs, but the dogs are only allowed. Um, to hold pigs, they can't be, you know, grabbing all sorts of other animals. There, but there's a whole lot of ways that even even among pig hunters, not every pig dog holds a pig. Some of them are just bailers, um, and they'll they'll find a pig and bail it up, you know, stop it in one place. 
and then hunters can, uh, you know, either uh, if you're fit and young and game, you can grab the pig yourself. But a lot of guys just uh, just shoot over the dogs. Um, now, with uh, you know, of course, with deer, you can use dogs to to point and indicate deer to find them. Um, yeah, the same with rabbits and uh, you know cats, foxes, all sorts of things. You can you can use the dogs um, to assist you in hunting. Um, you just have to have you have to have control of the dog, you know, and that's that's something that uh, you know that, that's terribly important, not just for you, but for the but for the dog, you know. Um, a, a controlled dog is a much happier dog. So, I mean, you can use dogs for all sorts of all sorts of hunting. Um, it's just how you use them. And if in doubt, just use dogs that will indicate that there's game. You know, if you're, uh, if you're not confident about, uh, you know, what to do in any situation, just focus on those sort of dogs. And you can have a, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of success working with a dog. Now, of course, with, you know, with, um, with pig hunting, you might have, two or three, you know, dogs, you know, with you at one time. But, you know, if you're looking for a deer, you don't want that sort of, you know, noise and, and activity. You want a, a, a dog that's a little bit more stealthy and inclined to indicate to you that there's something uh, something ahead without actually, um, you know, flushing it or or, uh, or pushing it out. You might just use a dog for blood trailing, um, you know, to follow up on and to find the animal that you've, um, uh, that you've shot. Um, you know, it might move 10 metres, you know, 15 metres or something like that. Uh, now, in some country, that that can be a long way. <laughs> so, um, look, dogs are a really useful tool, and I'd um, I'd commend them to anyone uh, as a part of the hunting kit. But they're not they're not like a rifle. You can't just put them in a cupboard at the end, of, you know, clean them and put them away. Uh, you have to work with a dog every day to get the most out of it. Um, and I just mean basic obedience, basic psychology work. Um, keeping them fit, keeping them healthy. So hunting with dogs becomes a lifestyle rather than just another option for hunting. So I just counsel people, if they're thinking about getting into it, remember that that dog might be in your family for, you know, 12 or 13 years. So it's not a small investment in time and or money yes. if you're going to take on a dog. Uh, and it, it means that it's something you have to consider when you want to go on holidays. It's something you have to consider if you want to go away for a weekend. Who's going to look after the dog? How's the dog going to be cared for? Uh, and all of these sort of things are things to, to to bear in mind if you want to get into hunting with dogs. Exactly. So we're we'll we'll talking about the training. So let's talk a bit about you know the you know, the required training. Is it better you know as I said just to you know, seek out you know training courses from reputable people that you know or is it better to get you know field work, get the dog out in the field with other dogs? Can you give us what's the best strategy? Oh look, it's again it's like the the Ford and Holden thing. There's a number of strategies that you can use. Um, Game Council uh, periodically puts on. Uh, information days and things they also um, they free me up to go around and, and do some specific dog psychology work you know for groups of blokes I just did one um, recently for the uh, Australian Pig Dog uh, uh, Pig Hunters uh, Pig Doggers and Hunters Association APDHA uh, where we got some uh, we had pig dogs and we had some um, uh, you know just town dogs um, so that I could work with them and explain uh, the basics of control uh, to people while demonstrating it on 
on dogs. So that's certainly a good way. If someone's interested in, in learning the basics, uh, you know, we can organise a, a training day in an area and uh, get people along, get them to bring their dogs and I'll, I'll you know, work with that dog and show them, um, you know, what I'm talking about. I could talk about it all day long, about dog psychology, but if you can show someone with a dog, then it, it, it registers with them. Um, the other thing that people can do is, uh, of course, join a, um, uh, a hunting club that's got a particular interest in dogs or has particular members who are involved with dogs. Uh, they'll, you know, they'll give you the benefit of their experience. Um, they might even take you out on a hunt to give you some, you know, field experience, you know, some field training. Um, and if all if if all of that um, doesn't get you started, then um, your next step is to get out in the field with some people if you can. Um, now people are often cautious of um, giving away their spots and things like that. That's why you know a, a club is a good thing because you you've got a um, you know you've got a greater element of trust there. But in the end, it's how much time you spend in the field uh, and how much attention you pay to your dog. So if you get the basics right, if you've got you know dogs that are supposed to work, if you find out a bit about um, you know, dog psychology and how they think. If you talk to people about the methods they use to train and then you get out and do it, um, that, that's where the, the real education never stops. I'm still learning now um, and I think I will be until I drop. So th there isn't one thing that you do that makes everything just go bang, you've got a great hunting dog. It's, it's absolutely ongoing and, um, and as I said before, requires a lot of... Um, a lot of commitment to get the best out of the whole uh, the whole interest, you know. Yeah, exactly. So I guess you know, obviously, there's different types of uh, you know how we hunt uh, our feral animals. But I guess what's the effects of and the reduction of feral animal numbers in New South Wales state forest or on public land? Uh, you know, when hunting with dogs, obviously, is it, is it an effective measure of uh, feral animal reduction or just another tool in, in the trade? Oh, it's absolutely effective. It, it... It's one of the methods that works. Uh, I, I'm not suggesting it's the best best method. It's super effective in certain circumstances. Um, there are certain, uh, like some, say, take pigs for example. That's that's my forte, you know. So um, some pigs won't, uh, you know, won't come out until late at night. Some pigs won't go into traps. Some pigs. Um, uh, are very shy of people. You know, they they learn people's movements. They learn the sight, sound, smells. You know, of people. In some cases, the terrain is such that, uh, and the undergrowth is such that you just don't get a clear shot at a pig um, with a bow or a rifle or any other method that can be used. So it's definitely effective. There's a lot of pigs come out of um, my forests uh, in my area uh, that are, that are dogged. Uh, even when there appears to be no pigs around or other people are having trouble finding them, good dogs will still find those pigs. So it, it's it's a part, it's one of the tools, certainly. Um, uh, on some places that I hunt, that's all they'll have uh, because they think it works best. I'm sure that on other places they, um, they only have shooters or they'll only trap or they'll do whatever they do. Um, but it, it, it's a fantastically effective method uh, mainly because the um, uh, the dog is will, will locate the pigs you know you, you 
you don't have to see the pigs. The, the dog will find the pigs, uh, and a good dog will find them, you know, just on wind scent. And uh, sometimes they'll go, you know, a kilometre or more just on really? wind scent and uh, and end up with the pig. Now, uh, there's a lot of good shots out there, but shooting a kilometre is a long way. You know? Yeah, I was going to say but, how, like, when doing that, like, you know, isn't there, like, how far can they actually locate them? You said, like, well, they can smell them up to a kilometre. I mean, I mean, that's amazing if that's the case. Yeah, well, it's the, the jury's out on whether they actually smell them that far or whether they... Um, are smelling their most recent tracks and just track them. Yep. Um, various hunters will will give you anecdotal evidence of dogs that, um, you know, ha- have smelt pigs at a kilometre in the right country and if the wind's right. Um, and it, uh, see, a lot of the time, too, it depends on what a pig's been eating. Um, pigs that are on carcasses and things, if there's, um, you know, dead livestock or, um, you know, uh, you know, roadkill or, or whatever else, uh, they'll have a particularly strong smell about them and, you know, it makes it easier for a dog. But, um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, the, the, as I said, the jury's out. Dogs can certainly smell them a long way. Um, you know, it, it's nothing for a dog to go, you know, to go 700 metres or 500 metres or something on a clear scent, that, you know, not chasing the pig that far. That They've just smelled it and gone to the pig. They have gone, certainly mine and, and numerous other hunters have got dogs that will go further than that. It's just difficult to say whether um, they've smelt them at that distance, whether they've smelt them and then, um, you know, had to chase them for 100 metres or whether they've just smelt the, tra- the, the tracks near there and then tracked it that far. But wind scent tends to be, um, you, you can tell when the dog's wind scenting, they'll have their head up. If they're ground scenting following tracks, they'll have their nose down. Um, close to the ground so when dogs are running along with their nose up and keep bobbing their head up in the air um, they're picking up body scent off a pig now they might be picking it up off bits of grass and bits of scrub where the the pigs walk through Um, so you know it's an inexact science but certainly it is not unusual for a dog to leave you and a kilometre later um, have a big pig that that might have been you know in that wallow close to where it was caught or near a dead beast or something like that, you know. Um, that, that happens week in, week out in Australian pig catching. So, Ned, how do hunters prepare safety-wise when, you know, hunting pigs with dogs, for an example? How do they make sure either themselves or, you know, the dogs don't get injured? Well, the first thing is to look after your dog, and the, and the most important thing there is hydration. You've got yep. to be able to get your dogs a drink. You've got to be able to keep them cool. Yep. Um, so you can do that by carrying a you know a good backpack that's got a hydration bladder in it, so you can you can water your dogs. Uh, there's some good ones that have got uh, little hand pumps on them, so that you can actually squirt water out of the hydration pack straight onto the dog or into the dog's mouth. They're worth investigating. Um, the second thing on the dog is some uh, you know especially if it's going to come into uh, close contact with a pig, is to have good protective gear, good neck collar or breastplate. And there's a heap of manufacturers of those uh, on the market. Um, there's some great gear out there. Um, so they're the, the two main things. Have your dog fit um, and, um, you know, well-fed, well-watered um, and wearing the right protective gear. Have tracking collars on them. Uh, if you've got tracking collars, you can get to the dog quicker. You know where it is. Um, uh, you can cut corners yourself 
uh, and get there to back the dog up. A dog can move a lot faster than you through the bush, so tracking collars are incredibly important. Uh, I certainly wouldn't hunt without them. Um, I did a long time without them before they uh, they became readily available, and um, it's just too hard. Uh, you know, you can do a far better job looking after your dog with good tracking gear. Um, for yourself, you you've got to be conscious of. Uh, of snakes and general first aid and things like that and try and keep yourself fit you know it's a physical activity it is uh, so the fitter you are the better it goes you know like i said you've got to be able to back up your dog if the dog's out there working you've got to be able to to keep up with it and and, and get there to do your job um so you you have to be conscious of even little things that you learn when you're young when your mum says don't run with scissors there's a reason for that so if you're uh, using a knife don't get out of the sheath until you're absolutely until, until the last moment because uh, it's easy to trip, it's easy to fall. I um, I fell on one when I was 19 and um, stuck myself in the throat, uh, and it was a very sobering experience. Uh, uh, but like a lot of young blokes, I had to learn uh, the hard way about some of those safety aspects. Um, I always ca- carry some um, pressure bandages for snake bite and yep, things like yep. that. Um, you can carry things in case the dog is, uh, uh, you know, if the dog gets gets cut either in the scrub on rocks, uh, sometimes by a pig, um, you know, some good pressure bandages and things like that can make a difference. But there's all sorts of um, hunting first aid kits that you, for pig hunting too that you can you can get ready made. Now you don't even have to think about what to put in it. It's all done, uh, you know, by experts in those fields. So that's worth carrying. So that's the other reason to be a bit fit, because if you're going to do it on foot, um, and especially in rough country, you might have to carry a little bit of gear, uh, you know, to, to uh, you know, to do the job properly, and so that you can, uh, you know, I mean, even on stony country, dogs can get, um, you know, cut pads and things like that. Um, it's always good to have some antibiotics and things like that, just so that you can, um, you know, sort things out. Uh, right there on the spot and give them the, the you know the, the maximum care you can and of course then um you know head to the vet if anything if anything goes wrong um we'll just pull out head head to the vet get get that sorted out the dog's our first priority um in all of this in all of this hunting and as it is with most serious hunters too um you know they're not going to leave their dogs injured or uh, you know from whatever cause they're, uh, you know, they're going to get to the vet as soon as possible. So, uh, have a good relationship with your vet. Um, that's important. Uh, you know, have the dogs in there, you know, regularly so the vet knows them. Um, they'll, uh, you know, around here the, the vets are just excellent. Um, you know, there's a lot of people hunting with dogs, and the, uh, you know, the vets are geared up for it, and they're, um, and they, they also, they like working on, on working dogs because. Um, they're, they're not uh, snappy at all, like they're used to being handled and they're used to submitting really easily. So um, whilst they can look big and strong, they're very submissive when, um, you know, when you have to work on them if a, if a vet ever does. So, you know, there's, there's, there's not that many injuries. The most important thing, as I said, is hydration. You know, dogs yep. can overheat. They, yep. they don't sweat like us and they, they're doing a lot more... Um, a lot more physical work than us so you've just got to you know make sure that you give your dogs plenty of rest uh, make sure you give them uh, a chance to cool down 
Exactly. I've got a. There's a message from Kyle Potter. He says, um, "What's the best? Because what you're just talking about, you know, the GPSs, etc. What are some of the best GPS systems used for tracking dogs, and you know, generally the approximate costs?" Well, it, that leaves me in a. Um, I've got my own favourites, but because you know I'm, I'm working for a government agency, we we don't tend to recommend specific gear. Yep. Um, uh, you know, but. Uh, I, I often talk about those sort of things, you know, if we're having a, um, uh, you know, a workshop or something like that, and we do some demos with different brands of, um, you know, of, uh, you know, of tracking gear. Uh, they all have their their benefits, but um, look for, you know, for a, you know, a couple of dogs less than a thousand dollars, we'll um, we'll have you set up to to track them. All over the state, all over the state or the nation, if you need to. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, it, it's equivalent to a, you know, to a to a rifle, I suppose. Um, but yeah, less than a grand would would get you set up. Um, and, but as I said, as for specific brands, there's a heap of good brands out there. Um, talk to other hunters, get on some forums, ask their opinions. You know, because the guys in the field, they'll be able to give you the up to date information. As I said, I know what I uh, what I like to use, but um, but as I said, uh, we just can't be recommending brands and makes and things like that. Yeah, exactly. No, good, good stuff there. As we were talking about before, you know, there's there seems to be this push, you know, and there's one just recently, I think, going on sometime this weekend in, you know, Parliament with the Greens and David Shoebridge. But there seems to be a push by these animal liberation groups to have you know, pig-dogging or dogs in just in general banned, you know? I mean, is this, do you think it's a bit of an overreaction due to their, you know, poor knowledge? Because, I mean, in my opinion, they've probably never been out with a hunter. They've, they don't know what's involved. And as you said, the connection with the dogs. So is it just poor knowledge of actually what goes on in the field or...? Oh, look, I, I can understand people being interested in animal welfare, um, you know, in all sorts of areas. I certainly am, you know. I'm a hunter. I care about that. So I don't have any issue with people asking questions about those things but uh, I do think that um, there is a, a, a lack of understanding of what goes on. I think that what happens is people see um, some idiot, a non-hunter doing something you know, uh, really poor on, on YouTube and then they think ah, that's what everyone's like and it couldn't be further from the truth so um, you know, I, I love the opportunity to educate people and to talk to them uh, and I find, you know, the vast majority of people um, who are genuinely interested in um, in the environment and in animal welfare um, will listen and uh, will uh, will take on board what you say. Um, you know, it, I don't make any comment about anyone specifically or any political parties or anything like that. Um, I'm just saying that the that the vast majority of people, certainly that I deal with. Um, are willing to listen and uh, understand, especially if they see how you handle the dogs and even if they come on a hunt and see what happens, you know. Uh, but I think that it does, it, that sort of thing is fueled by, um, you know, instances of, of people outside hunting doing stupid things and then posting them on YouTube or, um, yeah. or you know, on the internet in some way. That's the funny thing, isn't it? Some people have even said to me before that I hunt and shoot and, 
you know, like to call in foxes, rabbits, you know, whatever it may be. They said, oh, you know, like, oh, oh you shoot animals, you know, you, you couldn't enjoy, you know, like animals. I'm like, are you kidding? Or like, I love dogs, you know what I mean? Like, I, I can't see oh, how yeah. they, how they look, try and it, assume that, you know, like just because you hunt, seem to hunt feral animals that either somehow, whether it's dogging or it's just in general, like if you had a dog of your own, you, you would treat it the same way. Like a lot, a lot of doggers I know or just people that own dogs in general that are, that are hunters that maybe don't get out and hunt them. I mean, they love these animals to death. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Look, it, and the bond, yeah, the bond between those, that they, 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 you know, their oh, yeah, and, look, it, and that, you know. It, I think people, um, people outside hunting can sometimes miss that link between, uh, you know, the getting getting you know your own organic food as well and part of it is about uh, you know if you are going to if you are going to eat meat um it, it's easy to give that responsibility for killing that animal to other people and pretending um that it's uh you know that it's all sort of a bit disneyland but um you know like we we eat what we get out of the out of the bush and um that that's part of animal welfare for me I, I take personal responsibility if i'm going to kill something to eat um i, I like to uh i like to be the one who does it so that i know it's done properly it's it's done cleanly um, with a minimum of drama to the animal um you know i i also like i've got an organic veggie garden out the back too i, I like to know what i'm eating and I, I take um i take a great deal of pleasure in doing things that way so it's the same with uh, you know with a lot of the meat that we get. You know, it's um, it, it's about how you how you harvest that meat um, and and taking personal responsibility for um, the death of an animal. Like if, you, if you're buying the the uh, the meat from a supermarket, someone's killed that that cow, someone's killed that sheep, um, and just because you didn't doesn't mean that you're not a part of that process. So um, people are funny like I just that, <laughs> oh yeah, you know, but it's easy to be divorced from it, you know. And again, a, a lot of the I time, those my, people I get my meat from Coles and Woolworths. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of those people are great people, you know. Most people are great people, in my experience. Yeah. Um, it's just that they don't; uh, they're, they're so divorced from um, life outside a supermarket. Um, so you know that leads to a lot of issues too. But again, when people um, when people sit down and talk to you about it. Uh, and understand, or, you know, they, they they can understand why you would do it. Um, I consider myself an environmentalist too. You know, I, I care about you know what's going on in the bush and what's going on with our native animals. Um, uh, like for instance, I've got a little project going at the moment where I can see into the top of an eagle's nest, and I've been watching this little eaglet grow up, and it's just about to take its first flight now. I've been watching it for months. Mm. Um, and filming it and all I that sort of thing. I think you've seen it on that's... the Facebook page. I think I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's um, and see the the landholder there, um, it, like that that those eagles definitely take lambs of his. I don't know whether they're dead or alive when they take them, but they definitely pick up lambs. Um, but he's um, he's comfortable with that. Um, and you know, I've talked to him about it. He he can he can stand a certain amount of loss. You know, for the um, um, you know, just to have uh, you know a big native predator like that operating you know in the area, um, and then I do things like you know if we've got excess um, you know pigs that we might have done some pest control work on, I'll I'll try and dump them in a position 
um, where the Eagles are more inclined to go to them rather than mm. the Eagles will, like a lot of predators, will take an easy meal over a, a difficult catch. That's right. So if I can create a little dump for them, uh, he's happy with that. He feels like that's reducing the pressure on his on his lamb. So, I mean, you know, not every farmer is an in, in, you know an environmental terror. Not every hunter is an environmental terror. You know, it's often the other way that the people that are close to the land and close to the bush um, have very strong feelings about how uh, you know how ecosystems work and um, and what the problems can be. You know, so. Like as this landholder said to me, if if he got rid of all the foxes and all the pigs, then he might think about how many lambs the eagle took. But until he can do that, <laughs> yeah. he's got enough to worry about. That's right. I guess last couple of questions. I guess to finish off, tell the listeners maybe you know about a story. You know, one of your best hunts, either with the dogs or just in general, that reminds you, say, you know, a good day in the field in the life of uh, Ned Makem. Oh crikey! There's uh, the um. The problem for me is is limiting it to one because I'm a, a bit of a raver about pigs. But um, I had a, a great little incident recently, and it, it underlined to me just uh, how far I've come personally. Uh, because when I was younger, I just spent all my time in the bush looking, 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 looking. And now I use game cameras and all sorts of things to uh, to try and make things more efficient. I had a uh, a great, uh, great experience with a landholder recently. I was sitting at his uh, at his house about eight o'clock at night in the winter time, um, having a cup of coffee with him, and, um, and it got to about twenty five past eight. And I said, "All right, I've got to go." And he just joked and said, "Well, um, uh, what have you got an appointment?" And I said, "As a matter of fact, I have. I said, I'm going to catch a uh, uh, a boar that's been coming down, um, you know, into that loosened paddock of yours." And he just laughed and said, "Oh, well, good luck, you know." <laughs> uh, but I'd had a game camera set up. I'd had a couple of them set up, and I'd been checking them, of course. And I had an idea that that you know when this pig was going to appear. So anyway, I headed off, and he just sort of waved me off like uh, I was being a smarty. Um, uh, anyway, about 15 minutes later, I uh, I got on the two-way to him, and uh, I said, "Yeah, you, you on channel?" He said, "Yeah, you're broken down." I said, "No, no, no. Said, What's up?" And I said, "I've got that boar." And he just burst out laughing, and he said, I, I didn't really believe it. I didn't think that you could do that. And I said, well, you know, that's <laughs> handy dogs and a, uh, and using the technology that's available. It made me look like a genius. So, like, 50% of it's luck, too, because it just happened to be that, I'll, you know, that, that the pig did it stayed to its routine. But, no, I've had a lot of experiences with... I love catching boar pigs particularly because they're clever and they're... Um, when you go in to to grab a pig, a boar pig, they look at you. They're not looking at the dogs. They're, they're focused on you, and if they can get free, you're the thing they'll go for. So I, I really... I had a good lesson in that when I was about 19 or 18 or so, and I was um, in Blackberry country, and I was um, standing there, and I was actually... Uh, I didn't have very good dogs at the time and they were just sort of lounging around me and I just thought, oh, I'm just going to have a feed of blackberries while I wait. So I was standing at this bush having a feed of blackberries. And then I just started looking into the bush and just looking and looking and I'm eating away. And then this thing materialised and I realised I was looking at a great big pig and it was looking straight at me. And at the moment I realised it was looking at me, it just came flying straight out of the bush and one of the dogs was between me and it at my feet. And it just came straight out of the bush and um, 
and hit the dog, um, then hit me, and we all went sort of base over apex. Yeah. Anyway, then the dogs, um, the dogs grabbed it, and I scrambled to my feet, and, and it was all done and dusted. But um, that was a very suffering experience too, because uh, I had absolutely no idea at that stage that that a pig would lie um, still with a person that close. And it was a, it was a great big pig too. There's a, a photo of it on um, on the Boar Dogs website too. That one. It was yeah. a a bit of a story at the time, but I look. I don't feel like I'm giving you much there in the way of stories. But there's, no, I mean, good. if we were sitting around a campfire, you wouldn't shut me up, you know. <laughs> no, good. So I guess if you know, to finish off, if hunters wanted to, you know, find out more about dogging, or you know, also what the requirements are to get a game license through the Game Council of New South Wales, I guess how can they go about it? So. You know, how, how do they how do they call the game council? Is there a website? Where can they go? What can they do? Yeah, look, the, the game council's got a um, got a great website that's got all the information on it. Just uh, just do a Google search for game council. That'll take you there. Um, uh, we've got a Facebook page for a lot of the, the guys that are just getting into it. Uh, that's a great way of of, uh, of getting some information, and other hunters will share their information there. So that's. Um, uh, Game Council New South Wales on Facebook, or the, the simplest thing is just give me a call. Just just get on the phone, uh, ring me up, send me a uh, send me an email, but ring me up first. I'm happy to talk about it, uh, and I can uh, I can direct you to to whatever you might need to know. If I can't answer you myself, I'll know who can. Um, so by all means, uh, just just get on the mobile. It's oh four oh seven seven four one double five four. Call me anytime. All right, Ned, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I know it's sometimes, you know, as we spoke before, it's, it can be a controversial subject, but it's good that you've come on and, uh, you know, give us a bit. You know, it's actually helped me out in regards to, as we spoke on the phone before last week, I'm, I'm not that experienced in, you know, obviously hunting with dogs well at all, actually. And it's good to, you know, talk with someone as experienced as yourself, you know, representing one of our... Uh, uh, brilliant organisations there, the Game Council, and you know, give us an idea about you know, what it is to to hunt with dogs, you know, how to go about it, and uh, you know, what are some of the benefits and uh, in, in using, I guess, that you know, tool, you know, just like with firearms, obviously another tool for the job, and just you know, give us an experience about you know the relationship between uh, you know hunting and the hunter and the dogs is fantastic, and uh, you shared some good stories with us, so I appreciate you coming on. Um, I hope maybe someone can get you on in the future and we can talk about definitely some more hunting stories. So thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Mate, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, and yeah, Thanks very much for that. And seriously, if anyone's got any questions or just wants to uh, get a bit of a, an idea on how to start, just get on the phone, give me a call. You've just been educated, and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.